Urban Kenya podcast is brought to you by the Urban Educators Collective. The EWC is a partnership of 13 schools located in urban areas to broaden our impact and work to enrich each other. Our goal is to bring 1,000 smiling faces into 30 urban schools by 2030. This podcast serves to illuminate the work that God is doing, not just in the cities we reside, but all across America. We post bi-weekly and just recently launched season two. Find out more about what we do and how you can help by visiting www.uecollective.org. www.uecollective.org. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Urban Kingdom Podcast. Today, I have Isaiah Marte. Did I pronounce it right? Yep, correct. Isaiah Marte. Uh, it's been pronounced different ways, like Marte would be the Yeah, technical. so I'm, I'm not quite as bad, but uh, Keyshawn gets pronounced in ways you would never imagine. Um, and Washington, for whatever reason, people from Wisconsin, I know some people listen from Wisconsin to the podcast. My last name is not Washington, it's Washington, <laughs> just for the record. So anyway, we, we have Isaiah on today. I met Isaiah, I think it's going to be about almost a, seven months ago, eight months mm-hmm. ago. I think it was in January. And we had an event called the um, Urban Educators Collective, I think. Discovery Experience ah, there we are. is what it was. Yep, yep, so yep. we had a discovery experience, and that, that was basically geared towards helping people get to know what it is that we're doing. We had just started, so we didn't really know what we were doing. And now we're actually meeting here at the Urban Educators Summit, which is basically, if you've ever been to Faith Builders Teachers Conference, it's like that, but for urban schools. I met Isaiah here. He's from New York. Which yep. part of New York? Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, there's like a hundred places in New York that you can <laughs> be from, and they're all very specific. But anyway, <laughs> Isaiah's from Brooklyn. Um, he went to Followers of Jesus School um, in Brooklyn, who is, which is in our collective, and graduated from there, and now he's a board member. And if you've listened to the podcast, if you know me at all, you know that, that to me, that's the most exciting thing ever is to see a student um, become a leader or become influential um, during their time in school, but also post-grad. Um, and so I took an interest in Isaiah's story from the moment I met him. I've heard bits and pieces here and there. So I'm just looking forward, Isaiah, to sitting down and talking a bit and getting a little more deeper into your story and into your, um, the impressions and things that you come out, out on the other end into adulthood with. Hmm. Um, so we'll begin here. Isaiah, to start off, usually I prep guess with all these questions and whatever else, but I wanted this episode to be particularly um, conversational. And I just want to start off with your story. You know, what shapes you, what made you who you are, or some of the challenges growing up um, in your neighborhood, um, family, church, whatever it is, you have the floor. Give us an idea of who you are. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so just to start off, yeah, growing up, always had Christian family, you know, we did go to church. Um, there's a popular church, Brooklyn Tabernacle, which mm-hmm. a lot of people that have visited are familiar with. Um, yeah, we attended that despite that. Um, my father was an alcoholic, and he didn't really attend church with us. It would be my mother who would take us. And during that time, we would have actually just had four. I would have had three siblings then. would have been my two older sisters, myself, and then my younger brother. And now I would have three more younger siblings um, in the ages of um, 12, 11, and 9. So they're growing up fast. Yeah, so starting off, grew up in Brooklyn up until the age of 7. And, well, 8 technically. Um, 7 years old, I would have attended Followers of Jesus for my first year. And that would have been, <clears throat> that was a great experience for me. I loved it. 
School was fun. I barely remember learning anything, not in a bad way, just in the fact that I went to school and it seemed like everything was fun and break and story time. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, and then soon after, my family, uh, a bunch of my family on my mother's side would have lived all along the same block as us, um, including my grandmother and some of my aunts. And so they started moving one by one, and our family was last to follow, and we all moved to Reading, Pennsylvania. Where? Sorry. Yeah. I'm just kidding. My friend, I have some friends from Reading here, and um, Manny actually, he's been a previous oh. season, is from Reading. So I always joke that, you know, I'm sorry you had to move to Reading. But anyway, continue. Yeah, so, yeah, Reading has, yeah, given me plenty of stories, especially going to school there. Well, yeah, first year, I would have moved over there going into third grade, and I would have went to elementary school from third to fifth, halfway through my fifth grade year. Um, my parents decided to separate Well, my mom decided to separate from my dad. And at that time there were seven of us. My youngest brother would have just recently been born. And yeah, so we moved to New York and it was me, it was us seven and my mom. And that came with plenty of challenges, especially for my mother. And so just looking at a little bit with that, my father with his alcohol, well, yeah, his problem there he when he disciplined us it used to be maybe a little more extreme maybe borderline abusive Mm -hmm. at some time so leading into that my mother was always hesitant toward disciplining us and so that led to problems with especially me going into becoming a young man becoming a teenager I struggled a lot with anger and frustration and that would all be pointed toward my mother Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately since I guess I didn't have my father there uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't know where to go with that. And so it usually got laid out on my mom. And um, yeah, I would say over that time, school was an escape. We were in and out of public school. So we, I ended up going to FJS that year, the first time we moved back from Reading. And I would have been in fifth grade then. And that would have been my first year being taught by Dwight Nisley. Mm-hmm. And so that was a good year, enjoyable year. But during that time, um, my mother was struggling with illness and fell into the hospital and I can't remember what necessarily was. It might've been a blood clot. She years ago had broken her knee and ever since then she's had problems with that as well as just with some weight also being on top of it. So mm-hmm. she's gone through well, yeah, a lot of things, but I think at that time she was experiencing some blood clots in her leg. And so the church heard about it and they decided to split up and taken different families offered to take in us seven kids and me and my brother Javier just a year younger than me we that Nisley's ended up with us and so that was the start of a really good relationship and a lasting one that I can say to this day I just really appreciate mm-hmm. and yeah they became family to us you know, I have a father figure now a mother figure and siblings an older brother there's so many things that I felt like my life was lacking um, I didn't know it at the time, but yeah, that was my first time actually being able to see a fully functional and God-fearing family, mm-hmm. and that just brought, <clears throat> yeah, my eyes were open through that, and yeah, the humility and the love that was there and the love that was shown to me and my brother just lasted and really had a huge impact on me, and so from that point on, my brother, even after my mom was had recovered, 
um, me and my brother Javier would go from Friday straight from school to the Nisley's house, and we would stay there for the weekend, go to church, and after church, return home. and Or we'd stay Sunday night as well, and then Monday after school, head home. And so we did that for a while until eventually the sixth during my sixth grade year we moved back to Reading, Pennsylvania. And I think that might have been due to the housing situation or whatever rent was definitely cheaper. So and also we had an opportunity to move again like right next door to my grandmother and aunt. So it was a nice house, um good experience, but again with that anger, I really struggled with that and so that caused lots of fights in our family whether it was between it was always between older siblings or my mother and we never really found a solution for that so one of these times during an argument um i ended up calling the nisleys again asking if i could live with them and hmm. just they yeah they opened their home to me and during so that would have been from six to halfway through my eighth grade year i then moved to New York and lived with the Nisleys for maybe four months, felt like, mm-hmm. maybe longer, maybe less, but, um, yeah, then that was also another experience for me, and <clears throat> something I didn't realize then, but I've learned now is just how every time I returned home, I felt like I would fall back into the same habits that I had worked on, or felt like I had overcome being at the Nisleys, so now I'm able to look back and just realize that a lot of the things start at the home especially for these kids like you can work with them but that's kind of the gift with our christian schools our private schools that we can interact with parents yeah and we can be involved outside of the school life at home and just really invest there so that was the work that that helped me get to where i am now and led me to christ and yeah so where was i um so, yeah, moved back, lived with the Nisleys, and eventually my family did move back that summer, and so I moved back with them, and again, I felt like I'd fallen into the same habits, same fighting, and, <clears throat> um, yeah, went to high school for FGS, ninth and 10th year, and during the 10th year was when COVID hit, and so we ended up finishing online, and after that, our high school teacher left, and so we couldn't get the school couldn't get any other high school teachers in before the school year. So we went two years without any high school. So I finished online. But mm. <clears throat> there were a number of us there that would have attended the school that had needed a place to do school. So, um, excuse me, a number of us uh, went ahead and started a co-op. And so we had some gracious parents within the church who had kids that were also doing school online just get together and we had a little high school on the um, main floor of the building at the church there and we worked on our laptops and we had break together lunch together and so that was a good alternative amazing alternative for us Mm -hmm. and yeah ended up graduating in year of 2022 and that later on in that year um, so almost a year now we well I ended up so through that, one big thing for me was the Conqueror series. I went through that with some um, other young men that I had talked to, um, two other guys, and we went through that. And after that, I received a mentor, or it was strongly suggested that you find a mentor. And so my mentor ended up being the pastor of our church right now, John Culp. 
and he's a good man. Mm-hmm. great amazing yeah he's able to relate and the insight he gives is just so valuable so i really appreciated him and so talks with him eventually led up to the thought of baptism and a short class on baptism a couple of months later and i decided to give my life to christ and mm-hmm. since then um along with my brother actually and a few other young ladies in the church so it was a great experience and very grateful for it. And now after the members meeting about a year ago, maybe a little more or a little less, um, I was elected to be on the board, which was a surprise to me, but um, I saw a good reason and I do trust the judgment very much of, yeah, the people there, like people like Alan Roth that just mm-hmm. are able to identify, give things and look at the bigger picture for a lot of people so yeah it's been almost a year now on the board i've been working along with john culp in the warehouse but still my family continues to grow and work i can see in each of my siblings even the younger ones just the work that's been done and the work that needs to be done of course but yeah i think we're all we've all grown a lot including my mother and we're all continuing to grow Hmm. So, so you mentioned that you mentioned that including your mother. So do you still maintain a relationship with her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So all of us out of the seven of us, there's one that's actually she's living in Reading, Pennsylvania right now with her fiance and she's pregnant with her third kid right now. Mm-hmm. So um, other than that, the rest of us are currently living at home. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, the re- relationship has felt almost like a hurdle and. Yeah just my walk with faith and of definitely a big challenge but um with both of us looking to get better um she's definitely grown a lot and i have also grown a lot in just my interactions and how i respond and we all know that we have habits and for me personally i respond the more i care about someone the more i care about what they think or my Mm -hmm. emotions may yeah take drive and I won't think as rationally but I'll act purely on emotions and so that's what led to a lot more frustrating times with my mother but right now yeah I can say that we have a really good relationship and as for my father um, since that time I might have seen him three times mm-hmm. two of those times would have been in the court room but um, yeah, the most recent time was when I would have been in ninth grade, so maybe four years ago, about give or take. Um, yeah, I was in the hospital with appendicitis, and him along with my grandmother, um, his mother, and an aunt actually came to visit me, which was very surprising to me. Mm. And at that point, he was a couple of months sober from alcohol, so that brought joy to me. And yeah, it took some time, but I did forgive him and mm-hmm. i wish him the best and i've actually felt some conviction to reach out so we'll see where that goes but yeah he's been he hasn't necessarily been a part of any of our lives but he still is my biological father and i do yeah. wish to see him saved so so how old are you now so i'm 19 years old. 19 mm-hmm. so you're still very fresh in this one walk with christ but two you're you're sort of in the thick of the healing and the um let's say living in a redeemed state where if your mom does something wrong to you your your ethic and moral was no longer 
whatever it used to be. Mm-hmm. Now, now there is a, there's Jesus and it's motivated by love. So I relate a lot to your story. Um, there's especially the parts about, you know, parents and how complicated it is to walk a faith journey when your parents, you know, there's complications, you know, mm-hmm. and I know for me, and I'll be sharing about it some later today for the event here that there was a lot of jealousy, a lot of, um, frustration on my parents end that, Hey, we're really bad parents. We're giving you a very, very bad life. You almost died a number of times. Um, we've almost killed you a number of times. Mm-hmm. We're crack addicts. We're bad people, but we're family. Mm-hmm. And so you're stuck with us. Stop going over to the shanks. Stop going over to the Mennonites. Stop going over to the church, whatever they would say. And I just stood my ground and said, look, this is a really good thing in my life. I'm going to keep doing it. I still love you. Mm-hmm. But even then I still had not forgiven them mm-hmm. around the age of 16 is when I fully, I say I fully got freedom. It was almost like a baptism. Like it was like, wa- like it washed off of me and it was like I was new mm-hmm. and it had to have been a Christ experience to say that I just, mm-hmm. even if I tried, I could not have a bitter or angry thought towards my parents Um, Now, I'm not saying that's exactly your experience. It's far more complicated than than (laughs) I just love my parents and I can't (laughs) wait to be around them, right? But to have that that freedom is a gift from God. It is, is, I think, the greatest gift, aside from salvation itself, that he's ever given me, is the freedom to say my mom is a very complicated person. Um, She did a lot of evil things in my life, but I love her. And I didn't get to choose who my mom was. Um, and so I think it's encouraging to see someone like you who is for your own safety, well-being, or, um, yeah, just had to move out of your home um, for for a time to still keep that relationship with your mom. So often it's like I either have to stay in the toxicity and deny any good or I have to move out and completely reject them. And I think that I don't believe that's how Jesus prefers to work. I don't I haven't seen him work that way in my life. I haven't heard him heard that's how it's happened in yours. When God is really involved, there is a room for reconciliation. Mm-hmm. On our end, it comes from love. It comes from quenching our need for justice. Or there's still times I see my mom, um, who is sober. She's been sober for ten years now, which is crazy to think that I'm that old now. I'm twenty six. But mm. you know, for most of my life, she was a choosing a drug over me. Mm. I still see her sometimes and think, man, like I really didn't get that mother that I needed. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it just brings me back to gratitude, brings me back to, to grace to realize that God and seeing my messiness and seeing who I was forgave love and chose me. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it a lot easier for me to forgive love and choose my mom. Now, Isaiah, one thing that you said that I thought was really interesting um, is you, you talked a little bit about environment, how we, you look at children, maybe at FOJ or, or, or in Brooklyn or wherever, and you see the environment and you're mm-hmm. like, well, of course. I mean, of course they're this way. Look at where they're growing up. Look at what they're... And I'm the same way. You know, I see, I see a young person, and I mentioned this in Rebecca's episode, but... I get messages or calls all the time from people who are looking for advice about how to relate to people from their cities or from wherever they're at. Um, and this, the impatience or the lack of understanding, like, Hey, what you're seeing there 
is maybe best case scenario mm. for where they're at. They're actually really trying from what mm -hmm. I'm hearing. Um, but them having grown up wherever they've grown up, don't quite understand that adversity. Mm -hmm. So you went to public school for a while. I went to public school for most of my schooling. I didn't mm -hmm. go to TOP until I was 16. And talk a little bit about what the environment for people growing up in Brooklyn, how that contributes to their situation, how it contributes to the way that they are. Um, and also just public school in general, like you're on a board for a private school in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. right? Which but they have 45 students, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in theory, it's a small impact but it's very meaningful impact. Mm -hmm. It's you're reaching a family. And so how has that helped you and how does it help people in Brooklyn and any other schools in our collective? How does that environment shape how people are? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, so starting off just with public school and what that environment did for me. I know also just, well, both, I've had the experience in Reading, Pennsylvania. Most of my public school years are actually in Reading. And then, like, maybe um, three years in um, public school in New York. Um, so just thinking back to very first stages of school for me, I was I was a lot more of a shy kid going into school. And I had some trouble speaking. So I started taking a speech class in first grade, and that really opened it up for me. And was that impediment or was that language? That was language. Okay. And or well, no, no, that was impediment. That okay. was impediment. Yeah. And um yeah, that really helped me. That helped me become who I am today and it shaped out my personality and my characteristics and I learned very fast that I love talking. I love talking with people mm -hmm. and yeah, so big extrovert. Yeah. Especially since then. So yeah, and then second grade I would have experienced FJS and that was nice. Um Felt like it went by very fast, and I just remember, yeah, very good memories, fun memories. And then moving to Pennsylvania, I just know elementary school felt very similar. Um, just public school didn't have God in it, and there wasn't, like, teachers didn't have God, so you can notice very easily frustration built up, yep. and they don't know what to do with that, and whether they blame students or themselves, it's just never a good thing. And so, um, yeah, the environment for me, I think the biggest impact, especially as I get older, was just who I hung out with. And I know in Reading, Reading has its highs and lows, but for the most part, people think Reading, especially public schools, and they're like, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. um, and which is true, like, it's very true. Just my opinion on that would just be, just to remember that a reminder, I guess you could say, is um, there are good kids and there are good teachers. Yes. And what generally what does tend to get the paper or reach the paper first is the big bad thing that happened. Mm -hmm. um, like I had a sixth grade teacher and I yeah, that's pretty much what he said. He just he mentioned that all it takes is three little pigs yep. and it ruins it for everybody. And. I can say both of my homeschool homeroom teachers from sixth and seventh both had a similar mindset with just and an example my sixth grade teacher used was um um like with bathrooms. 
there were kids constantly writing markers on the walls or whatever, mm -hmm. writing different things. And so that led up to bathroom sheets and we could, we had a limited amount of uses to the bathroom. And if something did occur and your time matched up with that, whatever window there was, then you would have to go and they'd like go to the principal's office and they'll ask you about it and whatever. It starts to feel like a prison, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all it took was, I don't know, two, three kids. It could take one for all I know. Mm -hmm. Just constantly writing on the bathroom walls. But, yeah, so I think the more, it mattered more the older I got. And middle school was like, yeah, I kind of always had my two f best friends that we joke around. We were the class clowns and then mm -hmm. everybody else friends with. But I know the Citadel in Reading, that's where things are a little more rough tougher and it's not a very good environment at all with kids all all it took was and 20 10 minutes after school ends they'd go a block away and some kids would be smoking fighting whatever it may be um and it's not the school's problem at that point it's kind of like school wants to push them away and then you'd have cops at certain corners to watch out for that and it's just not good at all not a good environment so from my experience, when I was there, I went half. I was there for about half a year, um, maybe a little more, before I moved with the Nisleys, as I mentioned previously. Um, I my experience was, or what I concluded was that it really depends. Like, there's lots of choices that a child is left with there, and I always would say I was a Christian. I believe there was a God, but. I didn't, I wasn't really surrounded with that environment, mm -hmm. went to church, but wasn't, church was more like, all right, I got to wait for this message to be over and then kids church and we could play games and stuff yeah. like that. And I didn't really see the value in it. And, um, excuse me. Uh, so that for me, my experience was who I surrounded myself with and who I allowed in my space and who I allowed to affect my life. And I always had good good kids as friends um one would have been christian as well and the other i'm not sure exactly where he stood but that made a big difference for me in my um experience with public school um but yeah i just like my it's very easy for people to shape the school and the students if they someone had seen me and they're like yeah that kid goes to the citadel uh who knows what they would have thought of me then profiled me but in all reality, I like 99% of the things, if not 100% of the things that they've heard about the Citadel, I have no part in. Right. But it's it's tough. And when you hear all these things, it's easy to associate kids mm -hmm. with that. And same for Brooklyn. Like, even for myself, I see kids and they're rowdy on the train or something. I'm like, man, ugh, these high schoolers or whatever. Mm -hmm. But even going to FGS, I was like that as well. I didn't mind being stupid and loud in public mm -hmm. and whatever, which there's some room like for being silly. But then there's these guys are like, all right, let's joke. And then eventually they're like, hey, you want to smoke or something like that? Yeah. And so I think um, FGS and just private schools in general, especially in Brooklyn, very powerful thing and kind of escape from that and maybe even a shield. Because uh, I think school, I mean, a kid goes to school, what, eight hours of the day, and then they're doing homework at home, whatever they may be, and then sleep eight hours, like, that's a huge chunk of their day, and five mm -hmm. days of the week. So, um, yeah, that played a huge role in my life, and I can see it just 
shaping out and the decisions people make, what paths they take does heavily, especially in the younger ages, heavily depend on like what their school life is and yeah. also home. So I'm not sure if that answers your question. but It does. It does. It also answers another question I was going to ask that has already been answered well. There are people who listen to our podcast that are on the fence about starting schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, should we really do this? Should I really dedicate my life? Which is what it would take to getting this off the ground and getting it in a community. Um, I'm a very critical person. I'm, I'm, I The piece that I offer is more of the quality assurance of, hey, if you're going to go join a community, do it a certain way. Mm-hmm. Don't go in there like you're the heroes. You know, they're gonna, you're going to get spat out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are also valuable... I don't do as much of the promotion of, hey, there's a big need here, right? And if you can help, you should. If you want to help, you should. And so I hear people talk about, oh, I want to I want to start a school, but, oh. and I'm like, what do you mean? Like, if you want to do it, you would do it. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that there's a lot of fear or a lot of uncertainty. So I was going to ask you, like, hey, like, what, why should these school, these people start private schools? Or why mm-hmm. should they move into communities or start schools in their own communities? But I feel like you answered that by, by talking about the value of it and talking mm-hmm. about how, and if I could expand on it a little bit, like my experience in public school, I, I was funny mm-hmm. and I was big. So I was popular among every crowd, right? I was never, you know, I'll come over, come under my house for a sleepover type of, because I, I was mm-hmm. in a dangerous neighborhood. I was, I was taught to keep my distance from people, yeah. but I used humor to do that. And so I was always cool. Um, my dad, in all his shortfalls, raised me to be respectful to people. Mm-hmm. So it never crossed my mind to walk by somebody and make fun of them. Mm-hmm. That's just something that, to me, was always not what I laugh at from my friends who would do it. Yeah, but for me personally, that type of uh, lashing out at someone was never who I was. Mm-hmm. And the very few moments I can think of in my life that I that I did do that, I end up on Facebook, um, which is for old people, but I'm, I'm one of those people, reaching out to friends and saying, hey that wasn't who I was. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for doing that. Some of them reached out to me and said the same thing. So it's really interesting mm-hmm. how this growing up affects how all of us. But I know from my environment, when you are surrounded by all of this stuff, um, choosing to personally progress and do well is one of the hardest things you could ever do. And it's very difficult when you go to a church or go to a school um, or whatever where nobody really gets that. Uh, all these helpful Christian people mean really well, but they don't really understand what it's like to be in a, in a building with 1500 other people mm-hmm. who most of them are completely, they're meant to be antagonistic towards your lifestyle, mm-hmm. but they're not matching it. Mm-hmm. And so if we're products of our environment and you're in that environment for 12 years of your life, 13 years of your life, um, like you said, for eight hours a day, mm-hmm. then that's going to make a huge impact on who you are. It's not hopeless. It's not that we can't see God-honoring, loving people come out of public school systems, but it's no wonder, based on what we've seen and felt, why that's not happening very often. Mm -hmm. So it's important for people who are listening to understand that we have to be very patient and gracious with people because if you could see from our end how much it took, how much grace it took for us to end up on this end of salvation, of love, of grace. Um, you would you would go that extra year or two to try to help the person that you're with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's why it's just powerful that you are a board member there 
at the school. You are invested. You are, you're on the same board as me for um, Urban Workers Retreat, mm-hmm. um, which you couldn't come to the last meeting because your yeah. New York was flooded out. But anyway, yeah. um, New York is a funny place. Anyway, <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and and yeah, just the way that you're able to now spend your adult years investing in others um, is a meaningful thing to watch. Well, I might add on mm-hmm. to just talking about how, yeah, it's hard to, for these, like, just Christians and Mennonites to relate sometimes when you mentioned um, thinking about 1,500 or however many, just with our, with my integration into the church, um, that just made me think of that and just how, in my perspective of how it's related toward me, with school it was easy, you know, wear uniform, that's what it was, but then when going to church, that's when you actually make these choices for, yeah. for example, especially for females, like whether they want to wear a skirt or not, mm-hmm. school you have to, but church, I really appreciated how they didn't make that mandatory, mm-hmm. and so that made it more welcoming for my family, and yeah. One of the things that really roped me in to church was eventually I had the responsibility of being on the tech team and I would run cameras or I would be running the mixer in the back while we live streamed, which we started due to COVID. Um, so you were watching me struggle to get this podcast set up and you were judging me because you're like, buddy, all you got to do is plug in the cable. No, I, I don't do sound. I don't touch sound. Okay. I'm all video. Gotcha. Um, so... Yeah, no, you're you guys got it. <laughs> but yeah, no, um I that was something that gave me kind of a purpose. And yeah, like uh, it's not uncommon for me to feel like I don't fit in in certain places, but at this point I can say I'm very comfortable. Um and I feel like a part of I I am a part of the church at this point. Um and just with now being a board member even so that just brings even more purpose and mm-hmm. kind of uh fulfillment almost um and so yeah they really did a good job of welcoming me and i know they're that they're definitely not perfect like our church isn't mm-hmm. perfect far from it but um my sister she would still have struggles like it's definitely tougher for her like we've had conversations about it and how, like, you know, seemingly, especially for a dress code, it's a lot easier for guys, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Because just wear pants and, like, whatever, polo shirt, bind down, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, for her, it's, like, going from jeans. Like, she understands. And it's kind of what do you rely on convictions? What What do you take from Scripture? And she respects them. It's just some of those things kind of hold her back yeah and it's completely understandable and i feel like this next couple of months she's actually heading to south carolina kind of get a new feel of things and go to a different church and see how things go so i've been praying about that and just i look forward to see how what her experience is like i'm sure i'm gonna get a bunch of phone calls mm-hmm. but just overall with the church i feel like they do a good job of welcoming anyone is welcome um, we have a man that comes that I'm pretty sure is homeless that sometimes he doesn't smell the greatest and whatever it may mm-hmm. be, but just being able to see the church willing to serve, offer up food, and that really that's what really brought me in as well. I'm a big people person, and uh, yeah, again, just care about others, and I also um, recognize and really appreciate when I receive that myself, and 
to see that in my family as well. Because for a period of time, I kind of had to step up as almost a father figure yeah. at a very young age. And that made my relationship with my mother also a little tougher. But with that, those challenges and then being able to um, come and then now I have those feelings almost like a father seeing my siblings, even my older sister, feeling like an older brother for her. Just seeing how she's grown and how she's opening up from she was not in a very good place in her life not too long ago, maybe a year ago, to where she's come now. I would have never been able to guess that. And sometimes it felt like talking to a brick wall, but Mm -hmm. just again, just the church also continued to persist. And that's kind of what gave me energy to do that as well. And yeah, I mean, our church has done continues to welcome people. I'm sure that there's a lot of ways where I can say we can grow, where I can grow. Um, but yeah, I'm very thankful for the, the general community and just Mennonite culture, how from my experience has been a very good and welcoming experience. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and I think, needless to say, um, followers of Jesus has had a lot of trial and error and a lot mm-hmm. of time and a lot of people that have invested in that culture and invested in that. And even just the people in your life. I mean, I know some of them personally. I think that you're, you were surrounded by a lot of people that, that really mean well, but they also put into practice mm. to do well. And I think it, just to close out here, to go to, it goes to show, and this is something that I've been hammering on the podcast for a long time and will keep hammering, is that young people are worth believing in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. worth believing in people because if you believe in them, you mentioned a little bit how if if somebody, if the church would have said, well, yeah, but this next step requires you to be this for us or be like us in this way and this way and this way, and that, that was the most important thing, um, then, you know, how likely are you to make that commitment in a healthy way, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you're 100% right that it's, it brings a unique set of challenges for women, um, mm-hmm. especially. Um, I, I just what I'm hearing is a, a really delicate and, and thoughtful balance to make sure that hey, we love you mm-hmm. first and foremost. We want you to succeed. We want you to love Jesus, and um, we're not as focused on what you are wearing mm-hmm. because clothes are such a small part of our mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Why are we so focused on that? Um, the uh, these small things become such big things in a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. That's not the way God's working with us. And so why are we treating people that way? And so I think more importantly, what should be more focused on is giving people platforms to get involved. You know, you Mm -hmm. helping with, um, what did you mention earlier? Cameras. With cameras. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With, with um, being a board member and all these things, that kind of thing does put people in a sensible way in community. You know what doesn't put them sensibly in a way a community um, saying, hey, so here are the rules and here's what you have to follow and here's how we can do it and we're going to help you pull it off. And it's like, okay, maybe that's better than the hood and growing up in the family that I did, but it's not fulfilling. Mm-hmm. What is fulfilling is being able to say that I've been able to surround myself in a community of people who love me and are empowering me to be helpful and now I get to go do it for others.